Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're talking to Erin Chella. She's a dance artist, a yoga teacher, and mom of two. And not just mom of two, but a mom of two under two. And full disclosure, she used to work at PYC, so I know Erin well, and she's an amazing, amazing person. She was the manager there for many years. So being the manager, she had a lot of childbirth education from editing the blogs and listening to classes, and then I had the pleasure of teaching her childbirth education when she was pregnant with her first son, Miles. And recently, she just had her second child, Emmy. And she reached out to me, and she wanted to share that she had some complications in her birth. I knew about the first one. I hadn't really understood what was going on at the second birth. And when she reached out, she said she'd like to write something, maybe a blog or something about how she found ease in complicated births. And of course I thought, well, let's make that a podcast. So I invited Erin on and she opened up really, um, honestly about the challenges she had during her births and, how she found her way to the other side and how she used her yoga practice and the coping skills that she learned to process these births during the actual experience during her C-sections. So whether you have already birthed and you're still processing or whether you are pregnant and you have your birth ahead of you, I think what Erin has to say about moving through what could be complications and finding ease is so beneficial and the tools she used are so available to everyone. So I'm excited for you to hear that. It was a really fantastic, fun conversation. But before we get to that, I just want to give a shout out to the people that just finished our first weekend of our New York City spring teacher training. We had our first intensive weekend and 14 amazing people came together and just, it was wonderful how open everyone was and willing to learn and share their background experience. And we really all came together as a wonderful, cohesive group. So if you're listening, you guys are awesome. I'm so excited to work with you again in April and watch you continue to grow as yoga teachers and really pave the path for prenatal in your community. So yay to you. Also, we just booked Washington, D.C. for 2020 for January and February of 2020. We'll be at Willow Street Yoga. I'm incredibly excited about that. So keep an eye out for that. That will head on our application pretty soon. Um, we'll be again in Charlotte, North Carolina for late fall. And then there's only about seven spots left for the fall New York teacher training. So if you want it, grab it. Just check out our website, prenatalyogacenter.com for all of that. And then lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast, I would invite you to leave a rating or review on wherever you're listening to this from. It just helps people find us. And I think that's it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Aaron. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Aaron, I am so excited to speak with you. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing great. All right. So listeners, let me give a little bit of background about my friend Erin here. I was actually thinking about this. I can't remember. I do know, you'll know this because you got married right after you started working for PYC. So how long has it been? It has been, well, I got married in 2010. Okay. Wow. 
And I was just like, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have two young kids under two, so you're, you're, that, you're yeah. allowed to think that. Oh my goodness. It's been almost nine years because it was like the yeah. springish or something. All right. Yeah. So it's just giving a little background. So Aaron came to work at PYC in 2010 and you were there for what, two years? Three? Yeah. Uh, two, three? I think a solid, like solid two years and then took a brief break for a dance gig and then came back. Yeah. And kind of helped and rebuild then, things when we took a little, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. was a little stumble there. And then you kind of mm-hmm. helped me on the trajectory back. Oh my gosh. And through that time, I had two kids. You've mm-hmm. had two kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so exciting. I'm having so much fun talking to you. So, all right. So let's dive in with a little bit of tell everyone a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I'm the mother of two lovely children under, under two, two. <laughs> um, with, with the oldest turning two next month. So a big transition is about to happen. Um, but I am still working as a professional dance performer and teacher. I took a hiatus from performing, but I'm actually returning to the stage next December. Oh, not just choreographing. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I'll fill you in all the details about that later. Um, and through being pregnant and also teaching prenatal yoga, I've started teaching prenatal bar classes, um, which is a really lovely mix of all of my movement training plus where I am in my life right now since I've basically been pregnant and breastfeeding for two years straight. (laughs) Um, So it's been a really fun way to mesh all of my interests together. Um, And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Like being a mom, which is, as you know, is very consuming, but within that still holding on to the things that are dear to me professionally, which isn't all day, every day, but I definitely get, get some me time in there. (laughs) Get a little movement. Yeah. I mean, we we lost a little bit of touch. I mean, through Facebook and stuff after (laughs) you had miles, but then I saw in a picture. I'm like, oh my gosh, is she pregnant again? I was on some dance picture, like some gold lame, like onesie oh, outfit. And I'm like, that, yeah. that I was actually pregnant with Miles. Oh, okay. That was that, there. Okay. That show and that show, I was almost, I was almost six months pregnant in that performance. But then I saw Which, something about, was it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was like when you sent me a picture or something that you were pregnant again. I don't remember, but I was like, wow, she's getting them, getting them done. Well, I did, I did perform in Nutcracker in December. <laughs> How'd that, was your center of gravity a little changed? Um, it was, yes, it was completely off. I was just an, I was an extra in the party scene. It was a wonderful experience. It was great. But, um, I mean, I was gigantic in December. So it was, it was pretty funny. A couple of the people in the audience thought that it was a fake <laughs> costume. One, cause it was for um, the studio I teach one of the, I think it was the grandmother of one of the students said to her after the show, um, wow, how did they, how did they make that costume so realistic? And my student was like, cause she's, cause she's pregnant. <laughs> cause but. it is. All right. So how is life going with two under two? You know, it actually is not bad at all. I I had so many people just telling me horror stories about how it was going to be with a toddler and a newborn at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I really think I had a pretty hard time adjusting to one. And I'm always very like open and honest to talk about that. And I think that because that was so hard, once I got over that hump, I felt like I could do anything. Mm-hmm. And having the second one, it's just, nothing is really new. Um, of course it's like a new baby and I don't know, I'm like learning who she is and everything about her, but all of, you know, the, the little details like changing diapers and nursing, I just did all of the newborn stuff. So doing it again was not nearly as overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the big takeaway after you have one is each, each moment, especially if the baby's fussy or screaming feels like it's going to last forever with the first, you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, how, how am I going to get through this? 
But you realize with the second one that those moments only last five or 10 minutes. Yeah. I give us, give us, I mean, I need to take a step back. I did not have a baby with colic. So I think that is a totally different thing. And I can't speak to that experience, but this time around, like even when Amelia is, is really fussing or I feel like, you know, bedtime is challenging because I'm putting miles to get putting miles to bed by myself. Cause Chris is still working really crazy hours. Mm-hmm. That's my, my husband for the listeners. Um, and I'm, you know, want to make sure that Amelia isn't fussy, but then I have to take a step back and think it only takes me 10 or 15 minutes to put him to bed. So worst case scenario, she's crying for 10 minutes and it's okay. And I'll be right back down there and she's safe and she's fed and she's fine. So, um, that was the hardest time yeah. for me, the adjustment, because Shay was about two and a half when I had Sage, so it was not too off from where you are, and bedtime was my biggest, like, how am I going to mm-hmm. navigate that? Yeah. But I'd love to back up and talk about sure. what you mentioned, the adjusting to the first. Yeah. So that, you know, I sh- that I think starts, I think I have to back up even further. That's and true because there's the whole birth. birth. All right. So, okay, let's put that. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's true because it's not, it didn't happen in isolation. All right. So we're going to pocket that yeah. for a moment. And then yeah. I want, because you came into pregnancy and birth, not just, you know, you had a background in a sense, like you worked at PYC for a while. Like you edited my blogs. You were there. Like you, you yeah. weren't, you know, blind at all. Like you were you know, compared to the average person, very, very, very well educated. So how do you, what really took you by surprise about your pregnancies and how did that color your pregnancies and birth? You know, it was such an interesting experience because like on one hand from, you know, I basically read all of your research before it was, you know, published via the blog and I, sat in through classes. I listened and absorbed so much. I felt like when I got pregnant, I could really speak the language of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Like in theory, right. I understood what, you know, the hormonal blueprint of labor. Like I knew, I knew all of these things that I feel like you might not know if you didn't work at a prenatal yoga studio for (laughs) a couple of years. I, I think what struck me as a surprise, and this is always like hindsight 2020, um, is the psychological transition that you experience during pregnancy. And because you, you're, you know, after you have a baby, you're the same person, but you're also completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a thing or a phenomenon, really, that I just, I just wasn't aware of. I didn't know if it was because, like, I sat in through more prenatal than postnatal classes. And when new mom support group took place, I usually left and got coffee mm-hmm. and then came back. So I'm like, well, maybe they talked about it, or maybe this was an issue that was discussed, not in my presence, but I was just um, really taken aback by that identity shift um, that takes place during pregnancy and in the early postpartum phase. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's a lot. You think about crazy things when you're pregnant. Um, and then once the baby is here, I think the, the love that you feel towards them, but also the worry that Mm -hmm. comes alongside of that can be completely overwhelming. And I did not anticipate that. How did you deal with it? You know, I, I'm grateful in that I have two very close friends that went through a similar thing. So I'm also wondering if a lot of women go through this and we just don't talk about it, but we, we still text multiple times a day and we all have boys that are about the same age. So having two people, um, to kind of fall back on that are not family members that are really just friends was so helpful. But yeah, cause I, I also think that the early part of motherhood is really isolating too, mm-hmm. especially like if well, you were you're in the there. suburbs at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I had left my whole like network of friends in in the city. I didn't know anyone in my neighborhood yet. My parents don't live that close by. So yeah, the beginning was, was dicey. Yeah. It's something I feel like in the last couple of years has been talked about more. I know that I've done more podcasts about that whole idea of matrescence made into motherhood. And 
I feel like it's now a little bit more on the forefront of conversation and support, yeah. even like how much, how relevant and um, uh, common um, postpartum issues are, like postpartum anxiety, depression. I feel like yeah. it's always been there, but now it's a little more talked about and and observed and tried to supporting people with that. But I do think, I mean, you did, you left what you knew, you left your posse in the city, moved to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. That was one reason I always told Joey, I'm like, we have to stay in the city at the beginning because mm-hmm. in the New York, you can like pop out and immediately see people in the suburbs. It is definitely more isolating. Mm-hmm. So how did you break through that and finally meet people? Did you go to baby classes? Did you go to support groups? Well, I think the other thing that, um, well, I was actually talking to my mom about this this morning because I was like, I need to answer these questions and not sound <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the things that I took away from prenatal yoga center that I didn't realize until now was that I knew that there were resources. Mm. If I, I think if I was just a normal, like, not like non PYC manager. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that there's lactation support. There's new mom support groups. Um, there are mommy and me yoga classes. So I immediately just started searching for what was around me because going into the city just wouldn't, you know, no, it's not of a course not. Yeah. Then. Um, and I found Montclair baby, which it's so funny. It's very similar to PYC and that they have childbirth education classes. The owner is a doula. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow. Like I, I kind of know what this place is about. And I started taking mommy and me classes there. One of the mommy and me um, teachers was also a lactation consultant and Miles, we had a very hard time nursing at the beginning. So that um, was another resource that I was able to take advantage of. Yeah. I just, I knew there were things to kind of get me out of the rut, and I just started searching for them. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So how are your pregnancies different? Oh my gosh. They, there was, I felt, I feel like other than getting a baby at the end, there was nothing (laughs) similar about them. Um, Yeah, just, I don't even know where to start. So Miles... Being pregnant with Miles, um, first off, I I knew that he was a boy. We did find out the gender with him. So that's like one thing that was different. Um, I'm trying to think like I didn't feel great during his pregnancy, but it really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And this is another, I think, important thing that I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about, but I can't like ignore it is the fact that you know, our pregnancies don't happen in a vacuum. It's not like you're pregnant and nothing else happens in your life around that. Even though your mind and body are so focused on it, it feels like, oh, I'm pregnant. And this is sort of like the only thing that I'm doing right now, even though we're still working, we're still taking care of other family members, taking care of our homes, being friends, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was pregnant with Miles, other than being pregnant and doing all of my normal day-to-day things, nothing else really happened. So it was sort of like I was just pregnant, living my life, like, as usual. Um, when I was pregnant the second time, um, my brother passed away unexpectedly when I was just about four months pregnant. And dealing with acute grief 
within pregnancy was so hard um, that I think that that, when I think about the differences in pregnancies, I really think that what was happening around my, around that Mm -hmm. really deeply affected my second pregnancy. How did you take care of yourself during that time? Because I remember that. It wasn't long ago. It was, it was in August. It was not long ago at all. Um, I was very open with my care practitioners because I, I wasn't sleeping at all. The insomnia that I had was, I don't even know how I managed to continue working and doing normal things because I just was not sleeping. And I tried, you know, I tried to, I was eating, eating right. I was also taking care of the toddler, which adds another layer of fatigue during pregnancy. That's Mm -hmm. like a whole other thing. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's tricky to talk about. I, after it happened, I had an OB appointment scheduled. I think two weeks afterwards was my regular appointment. And when I went in, I just told the doctor, you know, there's something I really need to talk about because it's, I know it's affecting my body. And the doctor was amazing. They actually, um, were open to schedule extra appointments for me so I could just talk to them, mm-hmm. which I think is really almost like above and beyond a normal, a normal care practice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I spoke with my par- parents nonstop through that. And I just, I just got through every day somehow because you, you have to. Right. Really. You know, it, it was just like, you just do it. Cause I, I had to take care of miles. He was really a little ray of sunshine through that experience. Cause you know, little ones don't, they don't know what's going on. Right. So sometimes it was really helpful. It's like, okay, we're just going to go out to the water table and make lunch and have snacks and watch Daniel tiger. And you know, then he would go down for a nap and I, my mind would kind of crash and I could have, you know, some sad time for a little bit and then pull myself out of that, out of it and then go back to being a mom. And I think that sleeping was so difficult because that was one of the main times where I was just alone with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, nights were, nights were a challenge, but that was really a big, a huge difference in the pregnancies. And another thing that I felt like we sometimes forget to talk about um, when we're pregnant is what's happening in the rest of our lives mm-hmm. that could be affecting it. Cause you know, oftentimes we just say like, Oh, you know, I have SI pain <laughs> or like, Oh, but like, like, sure. But there might be other things that are happening that are affecting you that you don't, you don't realize. Um, had your yoga practice help you through that or, if, or did it? You know, I would say that I, it was more, it was an at home practice for yeah. sure. Um, because I, I just had to be like as up and as quote unquote, like normal as I could during all of my normally scheduled classes that I teach Mm -hmm. that really the last thing I wanted to do, like during the hardest parts of the grieving process was to just be around other people in like normal settings. So I did, um, I did a lot of breath work at home and a lot of like gentle restorative things, especially at night after miles would go to sleep, I would just do legs up the wall you know, and yeah. just chill. Well, just because you're such a mover and so you yeah. live truly in your body that yeah. I thought that might aid you. And the, the second pregnancy, I was just so, so tired. Um, you know, with miles, I really had that peak of energy level. Like the piece I performed in at six months pregnant, I mean, it was crazy. We bounced up and down for 15 minutes straight. And that was like part, part of what we were, what we were trying to, um, kind of communicate choreographically was like, how far can you push your body? Like, and I, tr- I decided to do that while I was pregnant, which was totally nuts. But during, during the second pregnancy, I never would have been, would have been able to do that. I think even if nothing traumatic happened during the pregnancy, I just never had any energy. I mean, but I look at how old your child was, of course. I mean, I it was know. such yeah. a different, like, yeah. Yeah. But I was just waiting. I was like, oh, like, all right, it's the second trimester. I'm going to start to feel better. And it just, it just never happened. 
I can relate to but, that. Yeah. So I wanted to start to go into your first birth because when yeah. you reached out to me after Emmy was born, you were like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. coming to grips after like how you healed after finding yeah. ease. I think the words were finding ease from a complicated birth. So mm-hmm. yeah. let's explain what was complicated and then dive into how you found ease. Yeah. So I mean, for Miles's birth, um, which kind of goes, it also was linked to what we were talking about earlier. Um, and like how, what the beginning of motherhood was like and why I had a hard time adjusting. So Miles's labor, um, I was 37 weeks, water broke at home, like Niagara Falls, like (laughs) disgusting. I had never known your body could even do that and produce that much fluid. So that was just like one funny thing that happened. Um, and it's so funny to tell the story now because it's almost comical, but at the, during the time, it I'm wasn't sure it was not during, cause well, I have, some, you've given me some hints of it, but I don't know the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so the funny part is, you know, water broke at home. It's just all over the floor, just <laughs> gushing all over the place. Um, like my squeak, my sneakers were squeaking. There was so much water in them. And we knew that at our hospital, um, they don't provide any snacks for the partners. So Chris and I were like, well, we have to stop at 7-Eleven on the way to make sure that you have enough snacks. So I'm like in the car with water all over the place, like amniotic fluid. <laughs> we're in 7-Eleven's parking lot. Um, we get to the hospital. We didn't do a hospital tour. So we didn't know how to get in. Like we didn't know like what door to enter or where to park in the parking garage. I mean, it was a disaster. I just so know I'm you and Chris, I can see oh, you yeah. guys like, and first I'm of all, like, you're hilarious together. So I could imagine. Yeah. So I'm trying to navigate my way through the parking garage, like holding my pants up because they're soaked <laughs> with water. It was like, oh my God. And then we like, we finally got checked in um, and, and whatnot. And part of me knew like, something wasn't quite right because I wasn't having any contractions because there was a good like 45 minutes from when the time my water broke to when we got to the hospital that really like nothing was happening. Um, and because I had worked at BYC for so long, I think I sort of, I was sort of waiting for a specific order of events to happen Mm -hmm. and I could feel that maybe they weren't quite happening. Um, well, there is a break between the onset, between yeah. premature rupture of the membranes and onset of labor. Yeah. There's often a break. Yeah. But, um, so we get to, the, we get to the hospital by the time we check in and everything, they do the exam. So they say, well, you're not dilated really at all. I was effaced, but not dilated. And I'm like, all right, it'll probably be a slow process and that's fine. Um, but I was also strep B positive and didn't have a choice about when the, IV antibiotics would be given. So I wasn't like super excited to get an IV right away because I knew that was going to limit my movement more. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, whatever, that's what hospital protocol was. So I couldn't really, you know, I'm not going to argue with it. I was fine to get the antibiotics. So we, since my, I wasn't dilated yet, they said, okay, well, we're going to do Cervidil. But the problem was that um, my water was gushing like crazy. It launched like the Cervidil out. So every time that they put this thing in, it was just like, whoop, was like right out. Um, And even like the nurse was giggling about it. But anyway, then like my brain went to like, okay, now they're putting this thing in and now I have to be on my back. So I was already not thrilled about what was taking place because I had envisioned that I would be able to move around the whole time. Mm -hmm. So now I had an IV and now I was on a table or, you know, the hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I said, well, how long, you know, how long is this going to take? And they were like, well, we're going to leave it in for eight to 12 hours. So then I was like, great. So now, (laughs) now I'm going to be on my back for eight to 12 hours with this stupid thing that doesn't stay in anyway. So this is just going to be a huge waste of everyone's time. Um, which it was because about eight to 12 hours later, there was still barely any dilation happening. And since my membranes had been ruptured for like 12 hours at that point, I knew what was next, which was Pitocin. Right. Mm -hmm. So then in my head, I'm like, great. So now I'm, now I'm on the statistic track 
you know, which I thought about it. I, Chris and I talked ourselves through it. We said, it's like, it's not a big deal. You know, this is, this is something that can help and let's just go with it and breathe through it and see, see what happens. And we did the childbirth ed with you. Mm -hmm. So we kind of talked about what, um, things could be helpful for pain management because I knew that, um, whatever contractions I felt would be worse than normal because of, because of the Pitocin. Um, so it took a really long time for the pit to do anything and they had to keep increasing it. So basically what happened was I went from feeling absolutely nothing to excruciating back pain. And I ended up having back labor because Miles was just in a really poor position. Um, which hindsight, I don't know if being able to move around really would have made a huge difference with, with this, like as I get more into it. Um, so I ended up having back labor for solid 12 hours. I don't even know why I did that to myself because I just, I don't know what I thought was happening. I was I wasn't resistant to an epidural, but I was just in the mindset of like, oh, I don't really think I'm going to need it. And then the pain that I had experienced, I mean, I, there's no words that even, that can even define what that was. Did they offer you to move? Did they offer like, or did they tell you like once the cervidil's in, like you, you have to stay still because it kept falling out? No, no, no. So once, once the cervidil, they were like, okay, this is like not doing anything and the pit the Pitocin started, then I could move around and do whatever I wanted. Okay. So I was, I was pacing Chris and I, like we were doing, um, basically everything that we could to manage this. And as the Pitocin increased and the contractions got worse, I remembered the only, like a lot of this is sort of like blacked out. And it's sort of like a story that I'm telling <laughs> that I know was my birth story, but okay. I don't remember. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't, truly remember the things that happened, but I have one, um, very clear moment of, in my memory that I had such an intense, like contraction of back labor that I, I just blacked out. And when I opened my eyes, I was on the hospital floor, which is a totally disgusting place to be. And the nurse said like, all right, (laughs) I think it's time to talk about an epidural. And at that point it had been over 24 hours of labor. And I said, yeah, just like do it so I can sleep. And I think within like two hours I was fully dilated. So I also wish I would have gotten the epidural sooner, but I didn't get a lot of guidance from the nurses about that for some reason. It just, I guess it was an option, but they didn't push for it. Mm-hmm. But I do wish that I would have received it earlier. I think it would have helped a lot. So then I'm fully dilated. Doctor comes in, ready to push. Deb, we pushed for like six hours. My mom, I like my mom came in. It was like nothing was happening. The Miles's heart rate was still fine, and then they realized I don't even know how many hours this was in. Probably like about five and a half hours. The doctor was like, "Okay, you're going to get a couple more minutes." And in those minutes, um, Miles's heart rate rate we wasn't stabilized any longer. Um, I at that point like the epidural wasn't even that strong anymore. I was in squatting positions. I tried like every pushing position possible, which was great. My doctor really allowed us to move around as as much as we could within reason. Um, And then other nurses came in. And at that point, I could tell that something wasn't quite right. And my doctor's like gung-ho attitude of like really like trying to get me to push and being a huge cheerleader, the whole atmosphere in the room changed. And I don't, I don't remember even what she said. I just knew that this energetic shift happened and then I was being like rushed to the OR. And obviously I knew that a C-section was starting and I was, was fine with that because at this point, like there's nothing else that could have been done. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could have pushed any more than I did. Mm -hmm. Like I know that I really like, I did what I could. Mm-hmm. And the doctor looked at me and she said, okay, like there's, there's a problem. He's not coming out. We think that he's stuck. Like this is happening right now. Um, I don't, 
totally remember the C-section because it did happen really quickly. Um, however, the complicated part of it was he, um, he was stuck and my uterus was in that like super intense state of not letting go. So they had to cut twice. So I ended up with a C-section that normally, like normally the scar isn't very big and mine was across like straight across my whole lower abdomen. And, um, because of that, you know, they just had to get him out. And once he was fine, like we all felt good, but the recovery was horrible from the first C-section. Um, I, I just had no idea that it wasn't necessarily the pain that was, that was significant. It was just the inability to move. Plus I had been awake for two days straight at that point during labor. Um, and through the surgery ended up with a lot of blood loss. So we were in the hospital for a little bit longer and I was really weak. Um, so it just took a really long time for me to get back on track again. And I think that the defeat I felt after that birth experience, even though I knew that I did the best I could with him, mm-hmm. that overwhelming feeling of like you somehow like I failed him in some way or that my body just didn't work the way I wanted to, even though the cord ended up being around his neck three times and around his hip. So they're really just, and I had an extra long umbilical cord, which I didn't know umbilical cords came in lengths. So that was interesting to learn about. Um, but the doctor after the whole thing went down, she came into the room the next day and she just apologized to me for how the whole thing went down. She just said, I really thought you'd push this baby out in an hour and a half, which I thought that would be the case as well as well. And she said, we just didn't anticipate he would be that stuck and you did a great job. And I'm sorry that I had to cut you like I did, (laughs) which was kind of crazy to hear from your care provider. But, um, you know, going back to what I was saying, that feeling of defeat is really powerful. So I think at the beginning with Miles, when I was finally home with him, I just felt like because I wasn't able to birth him in the way that I expected, then I'm also doing everything else wrong. So I felt like I was changing his diapers wrong. I felt like I was nursing wrong. We had a lot of problems with nipple cracks. Um, It was just it was just a lot all around. And then we learned that because he was stuck and we were pushing so hard that we also caused some neck trauma for him. So we were in, we did craniosacral therapy for a while to fix that, which was instrumental to help with breastfeeding as well. Mm -hmm. But a lot of things happened where I just, I felt like it was my fault. And it took actually until this second birth for me to realize that everything was fine the whole time. Can you talk I think about I had, that? Yeah. So with um, with Amelia, first, we didn't know the gender. So there was like a surprise element to the whole thing. And I went in for my checkup at 36 weeks. And the doctor was like, oh, well, how how are you feeling? And I said, to be honest, I'm not feeling that great. Um, we had, this was January 4th, and we had some friends over um, on New Year's Eve. And while our friends were over, I just couldn't. I couldn't engage like I normally do. I'm usually pretty like, you know, well, you know me, like yeah. pretty peppy and yeah. like excited to hang out. I, I couldn't do anything. I was sitting on the floor and I tried to get up and it was like my hips wouldn't work. Like it was just my body was just giving, like giving out in this really strange way. So that started, that was on December 31st. And for the days after that, I just couldn't, it was like my lower body just wasn't functioning correctly. I had a really hard time sitting, standing up, um, like putting on shoes, really simple things became nearly impossible. So I told the doctor about this and she said, you know what, we normally don't do an internal exam until like 37 weeks, but let's, let's check. And she did the exam and she said, well, you're three centimeters dilated now, um, at 36 weeks. So she said, you know, go home and put your feet up. but I'm not really sure how much time we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause at three cent, you can be three centimeters for a little while, 
I you're think. 36. Yeah, you can. You definitely can. <laughs> <laughs> but she said, you know, um, you're also 70% effaced. So I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but it would be great if we could get you over the hump. Like if we could just get you in the 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Miles had a chest infection that day and a fever. So after the doctor appointment, I went to the grocery store to get Tylenol and whatever. And as I'm waiting in line, I just felt like, wow, like I just can't even stand right. I had to keep like widening my legs, which was really <laughs> like, I'm laughing about it, but I didn't know I was in labor really. So I'm like, wow, I just, I just, I'm not comfortable. So I get home. Oddly enough, my parents were over just to visit and my mom's just saying, she's like, hun, you just, you just don't look right. And over the course of the day, I just started feeling sick. Like I, I wasn't hungry. Um, I felt really nauseous. And then my, my skin started getting really splotchy. And around like five o'clock, I went to the bathroom and I lost the mucus plug, which I had never even seen that with miles. So this was a whole new thing where I was like, wow, like, what is this? (laughs) Like, I know what it is, but now I'm not really sure what's happening. Um, so that happened and I didn't tell anyone actually, I was like, Oh, like maybe I'm just spotting. And then about an hour later, I was like, I guess I should tell my mom, that, you know, something kind of happened. And then I told Chris, cause he was working from home that day. And I said like, do you think I should call the doctor? And Chris was like, no, <laughs> you're probably fine. And my mom, your mom was like, of course you should. My mom, like the voice of reason was like, yeah, I think you should call the doctor. <laughs> so I called and they said, well, you need to come in. How early can you get here? And realistically with a toddler at home, I, I mean, I still had Christmas decorations I was trying to put away. It was like, I was trying to get some stuff done. Um, so we waited as long as we could, but they, they said, you need to come in like as soon as you can. So I got to the hospital at seven 30. They took me in, they did an exam. I was over five centimeters at that point. And the weird thing is like, I, I had no contraction pain. I really didn't feel anything aside from just feeling off mm-hmm. at that time. And, um, I think, they did another exam. They gave me some fluids. At this point, I still thought they were going to send me home. I was like, oh yeah, like they're just going to give me some fluids. I'm probably dehydrated, (laughs) you know, and then they're just going to send us on our way. So it's like the the most bizarre story to to talk about because I really just had no idea what was happening. So they gave us fluids. Um, they did another quick check and they were like, all right, now it's like you're over six. You're just dilating really quickly. Um, and they said, we're going to bring the anesthesiologist in to talk to you. Cause I knew that this would be a C-section. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was happening like three and a half weeks later. And they brought the anesthesiologist in. They were doing this pre-surgery like questionnaire. Granted, I still didn't realize that I was like getting prepped for surgery. I still thought this was like, oh, we're just like talking about stuff and then they're going to tell us what to do and then send us home. Or we're going to be like in this room for like 12 hours because this doesn't really seem like a big deal. It doesn't seem like anything's really going on because I didn't feel anything. And then I said to, I think it was the nurse at that point. I was like, oh, so like how much time do we have? And she looked at me and was like, oh, like about 10 minutes. And I was like, 10 minutes for what? And she said, 10 minutes, and then we're going to bring you in for her, for the C-section. And at that, when it was the strange thing where then all of a sudden, like, I realized that I was completely unprepared for this. And I hadn't been in a hospital since my brother's death. And all of a sudden, all of these things just started, like, falling on top of me from, from the skies. It was like, I was so like happy go lucky. Like we're going to be in this room for 12 hours. Nothing's going to happen to all of a sudden back in the mindset of post first birth, like remembering what it all felt like the fear and all the anxieties that were around that. And I sort of like, I just, I asked if I could use the bathroom before going in 
and they said, yeah, that's fine. You know, get yourself together. And then when you come back in, we'll get you, we'll get you all set. So I went into the bathroom and I looked at my, like, I just looked at myself in the mirror and I just said, like, this is going to be fine. You can do this. I just, it was almost as if I slapped myself in the face and I just said, like, cut the crap. Like, we don't, you don't have time for this right now because you literally have like five minutes. So how can you get yourself together? Because I, I started trembling almost like in an out of control way, which I think part of it was, was labor. And I think that a lot of it was probably anxiety. And I just thought to myself, like, I need to tell the anesthesiologist, I need to tell the nurse why I'm upset. They need to understand like what my mental state is, because I felt like if I communicated how I felt, then I'd have a little more control over the situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like crying. I was really upset. And I told the nurse and the anesthesiologist about like what happened with my brother and why I was, I was so upset. And I'm so glad I did that because they took time to breathe with me and to say like, everything's going to be fine. You can like, just keep telling us how you feel. Um, I was nervous about getting the spinal block because they had, um, when I got the epidural with miles, I have super tight ligaments, um, in my lower back, which I didn't know about. So getting that epidural was not an easy process either, which is another like kind of scary thing that happened. It took way too long. So I also had some fear about getting the spinal, but, um, the nurse just breathed with me. She held my hands. She rubbed my back. She, I asked her if she could hold my shoulders really tight so I'd feel secure. And she really did everything that I asked, which was awesome. So I felt like I could sort of manage myself in this, knowing that, you know, once half of your body's numb, it's really vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a very scary state to be in and it went, it went, you know, as well as it could. Um, I really just focused on my breath throughout the whole surgery because I really wanted to try to feel the baby come out because with miles, um, everything was so sudden and I was so heavily medicated that I don't really have any memories of, of that. I also don't remember like hearing Miles cry for the first time, which is really sad. So I was like, all right, with him, with this baby, I'm going to, going to try to savor all of this. Um, so the C-section I think was quite beautiful. It really felt like a birth and we didn't know it was a girl. So that was another exciting factor. It would have also been just as exciting if it was a boy. It was just a fun thing to not know. And she was healthy. She was huge. She was seven pounds and three ounces at 36 weeks. So you know, I'm glad she came out when she did. She's <laughs> been a little too big. Um, she was in there, you know, the whole time. But every everything sort of felt like happy-go-lucky and everything was fine. And then um, Chris left my side to go be with the baby. And there was this really strange, like, like stopping where no one was doing anything. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, I don't, I don't remember any, like, time lapses like this and someone left the room and then came back in and I'm like oh that's that's strange like I wonder like I wonder what's like I was just alone with my thoughts thinking like oh I wonder wonder what's going on now and then the anesthesiologist came over and was like well how are you feeling I said I feel you know feel okay but what like what's going on and he said well there's some scar tissue issues so this is just gonna it's going to take a little bit longer. So I didn't really know what that, what that meant either. And, um, the doctor peeked her head over and looked at me and she said, do you think like there's some scar tissue? So if you're thinking about a third baby, it might be, it might be a problem. That's like, she said it very casually. It's not like I was thinking about a third baby at this point, but when you say something like that and you have no idea what it means, all of a sudden I'm now I'm like freaking out again. And then I'm by myself because Chris is with the baby. So it was this very strange, um, lapse of time where I really had no idea what was going on. I didn't know why nothing was happening. Um, and it was just, it was just sort of this weird, weird break in the surgery. And then I said, well, how, how much longer is this going to take? 
And I don't know what they were waiting for. I think they needed like more tools or something, which I, I really have no idea. And I said, oh, like, you know, like 25 minutes or 30 minutes, because I really had no idea how long the close-up process takes anyway. And the anesthesiologist was like, no, like maybe more like, maybe more like 45 or maybe more like an hour. And I was like, I have to lay on this table for like at least another hour. And then my head just, my head just started spinning. I was like, how could I possibly do that? So I had another moment where I was like, all right, Aaron, just pull yourself together because you can still feel like your head. You can still feel your arms. And I was also shaking a lot. And I knew that I had to sort of get that under control. So I just focused on all of the things I could still feel, which were my eyeballs, like my teeth, (laughs) my mouth, the back of my head, my shoulders. And I just did the best I could to breathe through the end of the surgery, which took probably like an hour and a half. Um, Because there, I guess it was just a mess after the first C-section and they had to clean everything out before they could really close it up, Um, which was kind of crazy to think about. And then we were in recovery and everything was fine. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I was afraid you were going to tell me you got a hysterectomy. No. Okay. I was like, where is this going? Okay. It sort of went like super stressed, like super stressful. We had no idea what was happening. And then finally it was over and it was like nothing happened. All right. So this is leading me to two questions. One yeah. was many questions, but I will, I will narrow it down to two. So I'm sorry. That was such a like roundabout. No, 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 no. I, you had me riveted. I was like, where is this going? Yeah. Um, so knowing your, your first birth, we can, it was, it was not where you're expecting it to go. Dramatic, um, dramatic, yeah. all of the addicts. Um, how mm-hmm. did you emotionally and mentally prepare for your second? Like, was there anything, did you face that trauma and consciously work through it? You know, it's such a hard question to answer because, you know, I don't even know. I think that also I wasn't cleared for a VBAC, which I thought that I would be. So I was, when I first found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, like I'm excited. I can sort of take this, like, hopefully this birth can go in a different direction. And when I spoke with my care provider, they were like, absolutely not. This is like, this is a C-section report, X, Y, Z happened. And the likelihood of you needing another one was was just very high. Plus they knew that there was scar tissue issues. Um, So the view back wasn't an option. So I felt like I was also... I had to grieve that first. So I sort of thought like, all right, that's not an option for me. So instead of having the mindset of all like, oh, the w- I wish I could have, or though I wish I would have thoughts, mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, well, that's not my reality. And with taking care of a toddler and dealing with everything else I had going on, I just didn't have time for it. So I just moved on and thought, all right, I'm going to try to prep my house as much as I could for recovery because I know what I'm going to need. And thinking about the recovery more is actually what made getting through the surgery a little bit easier. And I think when I had those moments, like when I had to like tell myself like to just breathe before the second C-section and even like during the surgery to sort of just get through it, I knew that the birth wasn't the end all be all that it's just a thing that happens that you have to go through in order to get the baby. But I was more focused on what I would need to do at home to have um, an easier time caring for the baby. And that made, that sort of was my emotional prep. I think, does that make sense? It does. Cause you do, you do seem to have found some ease in this. Yeah. Um, even though like with the second, birth, I was not at all anticipating that it would happen as early as it did. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I knew, I knew that at like kind of bouncing back after having a hard, um, 
kind of a hard entrance into motherhood the first time, I knew that I didn't want to have that experience the second time around. I just wanted to feel like I could do everything in a more, like in a, I don't even know how to describe it. I wanted to trust myself more, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really where the ease comes in because I, I knew like I got through the hard part of motherhood initially. Like I got through all of these things. Like I'm able to, I was able to deal with it. And I think that I gained some confidence through that, which is wonderful. Um, and that's what helped me be really open and honest with the nurse and anesthesiologist before the surgery. I think that being really open and willing to communicate how you feel is where the ease is. Yeah. Like, you know, like opening, opening channels of communication. Cause I think like helping that energy flow out of you is really important. Cause when you don't, you just keep it in and then you become super tense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, and that you tension, did use a lot of the techniques though. Like those are the same techniques that we talk about. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Use them all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it doesn't matter. It's so, yeah, it's not like you birth looks one way. We know that, but you, you yeah. really used the tools no matter how it showed up. Mm-hmm. Even it's funny. Like I just, when you just now, when you said that I thought about the blog opens, open open throat, open vagina. Vagina. <laughs> because like, I always, it's like, I'm 35 years old and I still think that's funny. I'm like, all right, like get, get over it. But I even think that that was really helpful um, in the second C-section because, you know, you can still, you can still feel your mouth. You can still feel your throat. There's so much that you can still feel to get grounded. Um, which made it easier. Like the first time I wasn't, I wasn't with it enough to be able to use those tools because of, of the medications that were required to sort of get the it was also long I mean don't forget that so don't be hard yeah. on yourself it's long I mean yeah you know my first birth was two days yeah. and yeah and the mind space of staying up for that long and not just staying up but like physically oh uh, yeah draining it's hard to think it's really like two thoughts don't make sense from one to the other so yeah don't be hard on yourself at all yeah yeah Oh, I love that you're sharing that through complicated births, you did find ease and, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that although in my complicated births, I also feel like are, they are like, I think every birth is complicated in its own way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is just like, Oh, a very, a very simple, clear and straightforward birth and everything was fine. I always think little little things happen, but also um, in the grand scheme of things, things can be so much more complicated, mm-hmm. you know? So that that perspective has also really helped me. Um, one, when Amelia, she had some like blood sugar issues and some other things. She wasn't in the NICU, but she did need some extra care initially. Mm-hmm. And one of her nurses wasn't, was really a NICU nurse that was working with her. And it was really fascinating to talk to her. And I felt like, you know, when you, she just, cause I was of course like concerned about Amelia with the little things that, that needed to be addressed at the beginning. And the nurse looked at me and she said like, you know, you really, you really don't have anything to worry about. Cause I'm working with babies that are, you know, 23 weeks. And when you, it's so terrible to, to imagine all the things that can happen and that do happen. Um, you know, after the nurse said that I actually felt really grateful for both, both of my birth experiences, even though sure they weren't, they weren't what I had in mind, but you know, they were just fine in the, in the grand scheme of things of what all of the possibilities are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that, that is really helping to shape how I feel about it too. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You know, cause it's, 
it's hard. A, a lot of things happen that are very difficult to talk about. And we don't, you don't want to think about that during pregnancy, you know, but, um, I think it's so brave that you're opening yeah. up because I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that had an idea of what their birth will be like and then it doesn't. And mm-hmm. like you talked on so many aspects, like you can feel shame, you can feel anger at your body. Why didn't mm-hmm. it work out? And yeah. that, and then your perspective. Also, I think that's, that does something, that is something about you. I've known you long enough to know, like for the most part, you have a pretty fun and sunny disposition. Someone else may not be able to see the, it could have been so much worse. And the fact mm-hmm. that you're sharing yeah. this, yeah, I, I think it just, it can make it easier for other people that did have a challenging birth. Maybe thinking like, I hadn't even thought of that. And here mm-hmm. I am on the side. So I really yeah. appreciate that. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take a super quick break. And when we come yeah. back, I'm going to ask you a tip or piece of advice you'd like to share with new and expectant parents. So hold on one moment. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Erin, you've shared so much. I, I feel so grateful that you opened up so honestly. Thank yeah. you. So yeah. through all of this, you've learned a lot. <laughs> you're st- I mean, when are we not learning? But from what you've experienced, from your background, is there a piece, is there a tip or a piece of advice that you'd like to share with new and expectant parents? Oh man, that's such, I feel like that's such a giant question. You know, I'm trying to think of something that, that doesn't feel so tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like, I'm sure that a lot of other people say this too, um, regarding tips and advice that no matter, no matter what is happening, it goes by quickly that the, especially the new, the, some of the newborn moments at the beginning, you know, you can't sugarcoat it. They are very challenging. Nothing prepares you for sleep deprivation, yada, 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 all of that stuff that that people tell you. But I think the most important thing to realize is like, all right, if you're in a moment that feels completely overwhelming and that you have no control, just take a couple minutes, well, not minutes, a couple seconds, (laughs) just, and just breathe, go back into it and know that it will be over before you know it. And then you'll end up missing it, which I think is the most bizarre part of parenting. Um, you like probably edited, remember that blog I, you probably edited this yeah. too shall pass. <laughs> oh, I kind of remember that one. Yeah. 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 But like the second, like the second time around, like, you know, nursing all night up a ton, not sleeping a lot, but I just don't care about it this time because I know that it will end where the first time you feel like that will be your reality forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't. And then it'll be over and you wish you would have been more grateful for it. <laughs> no, there's, I hear what you're saying. Like <laughs> Sage just turned five, like two weeks ago, five. And, oh, yeah. and there's times I don't, I personally don't miss the sleep deprivation, um, yeah. <laughs> but I do miss those little, you know, cause I'm with babies all the time still. Yeah. There is part of me that's like, Oh, I remember when they were at this little and yeah. there's this shift and you know, they're yeah. certainly not teenagers yet. Um, but there is that shift of, it was hard, but I do miss that cuddly, mushy mm-hmm. snuggling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I think it feels like nostalgia for, for a place you, you used to live, but you wouldn't necessarily move back there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's like, Oh, like, Oh man, I love that. I remember that. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what it is. I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad I'm, but I'm glad that I'm in this new place now, you know, but it's funny. Yeah. That's a great one. So, okay. Where can people find your working classes? 
So um, as far as pre and postnatal, I teach at Montclair Baby in Montclair, New Jersey. Um, starting back in April is when I'm returning to teaching again on Monday evening and Friday morning. Oh, see, that's and, such a shame. If it was, I was like, I'm going to come see you after class, but yeah. those are not good times for me. I know. <laughs> um, but for the rest of my dance classes, I'm at Ballet Arts, New Jersey, which is also owned by another PYC. That's Jane's place, person. isn't it? Jane. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, I think that's yeah. Jane's place. Yep. <gasps> Yeah. How is it? How's it going? How's Jane? It's awesome. She's great. She's the best. Um, she really is. The studio's isn't she? wonderful. Yeah, she, the community is great. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and when are you dancing again? Um, next. Well, this come. Well, I want to say next December, but December twenty nineteen. So I will. You know, well, details to follow. We're, okay, we're still getting everything. We're still getting everything worked out for it, but it's December 19th and 20th. Oh, it's so and great. And I don't know if, mm-hmm, yeah, so I'm excited. I want to come see you dance again. I remember, I think it was with Ursula, we trekked into somewhere in Brooklyn to see you dance. It was beautiful. Yeah, I think it was um, with the lights, right? Yeah. The lights uh-huh. on the floor. Yeah. And Ann Zerner's piece. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. At the Invisible Dog. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Obviously you can know this better than I do. Oh, it was beautiful. Well, I want to thank you and I'm so happy for you and your family. Thank you. I mean, you guys are a fantastic family. I'm seeing you and Chris in action together and you are hilarious and the best couple. So I'm thrilled to see your family just evolve because your kids, I bet are going to be hilarious and awesome too. Yeah. They're, they're nuts. They're great. (laughs) Well, go enjoy because we've taken up over. I've taken up over an hour of your time, so nap time's probably over soon. So, <laughs> save for the last few moments. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Be well. Okay. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.